This is day 33 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will read Numbers chapters 12 through 15 and Psalm 33. Lord God, quiet our hearts this morning. Quiet our souls to be able to receive your word with gladness and with peace. Help us to eliminate all distracting thoughts, all competing interests, that we may fully embrace your word for what it is. It is from your own mouth. It is nothing but goodness and truth. Help us to see it for what it is, and that it may cause us to grow and mature. And in some way, Lord, help us to see your face much more clearly. Help us to see Jesus as our role model, as our example to follow. And in the Old Testament, Lord, help us to see Moses as a form of Christ, someone who, while he had his flaws, wanted to do your will in all things. May we be like Moses in being obedient to everything you command us to do. Please bless the reading of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, and stood at the doorway of the tent. And he called Aaron and Miriam. When they had both come forward, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth even openly, and not in dark sayings, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? So the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he departed. But when the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. As Aaron turned toward Miriam, behold, she was leprous. Then Aaron said to Moses, O oh, my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin to us, in which we have acted foolishly, and in which we have sinned. O oh, do not let her be like one dead, whose flesh is half-eaten away when he comes out from his mother's womb. Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, O oh God, heal her, I pray. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut up for seven days outside the camp, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until Miriam was received again. Afterward, however, the people moved out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran.
Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the sons of Israel. These then were their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, the son of Zakur. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. From the tribe of Joseph, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamali. From the tribe of Asher, Sethur, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vofsi. From the tribe of Gad, Guel, the son of Maki. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. But Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. When Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up there into the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like, and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab at Libo Hamath. When they had gone up into the Negev, they came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men, with some of the pomegranates and the figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of forty days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregations of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, 
we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregations of the sons of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, How long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me? despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst. I will smite them with pestilence and dispossess them, and I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for by your strength you brought up this people from their midst, and they will tell to the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen eye to eye, while your cloud stands over them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you slay this people as one man, 
then the nations who have heard of your fame will say, because the Lord could not bring this people into the land, which he promised them by oath. Therefore, he slaughtered them in the wilderness. But now, I pray, let the power of the Lord be great, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of your loving kindness, just as you also have forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely, all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites live in the valleys. Turn tomorrow and set out to the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number from twenty years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for forty years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, forty days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even forty years, and you will know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I will do to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be destroyed, and there they will die. As for the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing out a bad report concerning the land, even those men 
who brought out the very bad report of the land, died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive out of all these men who went to spy out the land. When Moses spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people mourned greatly. In the morning, however, they rose up early and went up to the ridge of the hill country, saying, Here we are. We have indeed sinned, but we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised. But Moses said, Why then are you transgressing the commandment of the Lord, when it will not succeed? Do not go up, or you will be struck down before your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will be there in front of you, and you will fall by the sword, inasmuch as you have turned back from following the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. But they went up heedlessly to the ridge of the hill country. Neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses left the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and struck them and beat them down as far as Hormah. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land where you are to live, which I am giving you, then make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a special vow, or as a freewill offering, or in your appointed times, to make a soothing aroma to the Lord, from the herd or from the flock. The one who presents his offering shall present to the Lord a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil. And you shall prepare wine for the drink offering, one-fourth of a hin, with the burnt offering or for the sacrifice for each lamb. Or for a ram, you shall prepare as a grain offering two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-third of a hin of oil. And for the drink offering, you shall offer one-third of a hin of wine as a soothing aroma to the Lord. When you prepare a bull as a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a special vow or for peace offerings to the Lord, then you shall offer with the bull a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-half a hin of oil. And you shall offer as the drink offering one-half a hin of wine as an offering by fire, as a soothing aroma to the Lord. Thus it shall be done for each ox, or for each ram, or for each of the male lambs, or of the goats. According to the number that you prepare, so you shall do for everyone according to their number. All who are native shall do these things in this manner, in presenting an offering by fire, as a soothing aroma to the Lord. If an alien sojourns with you, or one who may be among you throughout your generations, and he wishes to make an offering by fire as a soothing aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so he shall do. As for the assembly, there shall be one statute for you and for the alien who sojourns with you 
a perpetual statute throughout your generations. As you are, so shall the alien be before the Lord. There is to be one law and one ordinance for you and for the alien who sojourns with you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and say to them, When you enter the land where I bring you, then it shall be that when you eat of the food of the land, you shall lift up an offering to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall lift up a cake as an offering. As the offering of the threshing floor, so you shall lift it up. From the first of your dough, you shall give to the Lord an offering throughout your generations. But when you unwittingly fail and do not observe all these commandments, which the Lord has spoken to Moses, even all that the Lord has commanded you through Moses, from the day when the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it shall be, if it is done unintentionally, without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the congregation shall offer one bowl for a burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering, according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering. Then the priest shall make atonement for all the congregation of the sons of Israel, and they will be forgiven, for it was an error. And they have brought their offering, an offering by fire to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their error. So all the congregation of the sons of Israel will be forgiven, with the alien who sojourns among them, for it happened to all the people through error. Also, if one person sins unintentionally, then he shall offer a one-year-old female goat for a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement before the Lord for the person who goes astray when he sins unintentionally, making atonement for him that he may be forgiven. You shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally, for him who is native among the sons of Israel, and for the alien who sojourns among them. But the person who does anything defiantly, whether he is native or an alien, that one is blaspheming the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people. Because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt will be on them. Now while the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, and they put him in custody, because it had not been declared what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, The man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord also spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and that they shall put on the tassels of each corner a cord of blue. 
and shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, so as to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you played the harlot, so that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Psalm 33 Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in you. Okay, we had some heated stuff going on today in Numbers, so let's see what happened here. Chapter 12 begins with Miriam, the sister of Moses, and Aaron, the brother of Moses, going to him and accusing him of something. Apparently, the one who is leading this argument is Miriam, because she's the one who got the punishment. But the issue here is that Moses married a Cushite woman. Now, Cush, in those days, is what today is considered modern Ethiopia. Now, it doesn't mention Zipporah anymore the original wife of Moses. So it's safe to assume that she is dead at this point. So apparently Moses remarried, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
But the real reason why this was brought up was because of jealousy. Miriam was trying to stir up trouble by saying that, is it true that only the Lord speaks through Moses, or has he spoken through us too? And why is she doing this? She's doing this because she disapproves of Moses' choice of a wife. And so she's starting some trouble. And what is most amazing of all is two things. For one, it says that Moses was very humble, and he was more humble than any man on the face of the earth. Now, if the Bible is true, which it is, then Moses did not write that about himself. Because for him to call himself humble is not very humble at all. You know what I'm saying? For him to say he's a very humble man is an act of pride. But don't forget who is the actual author of the scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit. God is confirming that Moses indeed was a humble man. But it says that the Lord came to defend Moses himself, and he was upset with what Miriam was saying. So in a few verses, we see that the Lord rebukes Miriam and Aaron, and he clarifies what's going on. He has given Moses great privilege because Moses listens to God. He does speak through prophets. God doesn't deny what Miriam says. But he does clarify that he speaks to his prophets through visions and dreams. But he speaks through Moses directly and openly. And he doesn't do it with dark sayings. Or, in other words, he doesn't do it with cryptic riddles. He's very straightforward with Moses. And so there is a different level of privilege here because of the faithfulness of Moses. It has nothing to do with the Cushite woman. You see that? Even though in verse 1 it says that Miriam was upset about the Cushite woman, that's not why she really brought it up. She's using that as a point of contention, but God addresses the real issue going on in her heart. She's jealous. She's jealous that Moses is talking to God and receiving commands from God, and she's not. If you recall, after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, it mentions that Miriam is a prophetess. She was receiving word from the Lord, and apparently she stopped getting word from the Lord because Moses was the one who was leading the people, and she got jealous. And so she acted in this very immature way. So God was angry, and he defended Moses, and it was so nice to see that. So after God leaves the scene here, it says that Miriam was covered with leprosy, and Aaron freaked out. So he told Moses that he sinned and that he sought forgiveness. And we don't see Miriam confessing sin, but it's safe to assume that she did because God forgives her and restores her a week later. But the words of God make clear why he did what he did. It says, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? What he's referencing here is something that was in the culture of the day. Fathers would rebuke their children in this way. Fathers would spit in the face of their kids because of the mockery and because of the shame that they had brought on their father. 
And so this is the same kind of illustration that God is giving us here, that this is God's way of spitting in Miriam's face by displaying this leprosy that's on her. It doesn't say that the leprosy is completely cured, but it seems like it is because she's allowed back into the camp at the end. And a leper is not allowed back into the camp if they have leprosy. But this is, from my knowledge, the last time that we see Miriam come into the scene and do something like this. So hopefully she learned her lesson and did not defy God any longer. But even if she's not going to be the one to do it, chapter 13 shows us that a vast majority of the whole nation of Israel is going to defy God. And it's so irritating to see it. So what they did, and this is a pretty famous portion of scripture, right? They sent 12 spies into the land of the promised land. They're right there. Geographically, it doesn't take that long to get from Egypt to this promised land. God took them in a particular pathway to get to the promised land, but there was a much more direct route. And it was only a matter of weeks, maybe a month or so. But it took them a little over a year to get to the promised land itself. They were right there. They're on the cusp of getting what God had promised. So they sent out spies. Let's check the place out. Give us a full report of what this land is like. Is it everything God has said it was going to be like? How are the people there? Are they going to be a challenge for us? So they went, and they spied it all out, and it says they brought some fruit back. Did you see how big this fruit was? It says in verse 22 that they cut a branch down with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men. Those are some big grapes. That is a big cluster. And what's interesting, though, is this place that's called the Valley of Eshkol, it is still a place that is well known in Israel today. And it's a little north of Hebron, and it's still noted for having excellent grapes. So that hasn't changed. They're not as huge anymore, obviously, but it is still known for its grapes, which I thought was pretty neat. So when they gave their report, they started with the good news, and then they went to the bad news. The good news was that it was exactly as beautiful and prosperous as God said. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. However, the people there are too powerful. They saw people living in strong, fortified cities. And when they call them fortified, that means they had walls around them. Maybe with sentry towers and whatnot, but not like castle-like. They were just walled. They weren't just living in open camps. But as God predicted, the Canaanites are all over the place. But the unexpected twist that the Israelites did not see coming was that the descendants of Anak lived there. The descendants of Anak are giants. So, for example, Goliath, the famous one from David's story, is a descendant of Anak. And it mentions that the giants are a form of Nephilim. Now, we haven't seen the term Nephilim in a very long time. This was at the beginning of Genesis that we see this. It was right before the flood of Noah where we see the Nephilim mentioned here. And they all died. So somehow, the giant gene, if you will, lived on through Noah and his children. 
Maybe they're even giants themselves. I don't know. But they had giants living in the land, and they were freaking out because of that. Out of those 12 spies, there were only two of them that defended the integrity of God and trusting in the power of God to protect them and to conquer the land in his name. And that was Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. They are going to be the oldest guys wandering the desert for 40 years and entering the promised land. Everyone else is going to be way younger than them because they are the only ones who will be spared from dying in the wilderness. Their report was that, yes, all the things that they said was true. But the biggest difference is that they defended the Lord. If the Lord is pleased with us, they said, then he will bring us into this land. Don't rebel against God and do not fear the people in this land, for they will be our prey. God is with us. Do not fear them. We can handle this. God is capable of handling this. And they didn't listen to them. In fact, they were so upset with what they said, they wanted to stone them. And when we see that the Israelites want to stone Caleb and Joshua for defending the Lord, God now has had enough. He is now going to act against these people. Enough is enough. How long will they not believe in me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? And that's a very good question, isn't it? Why is it that they have seen all these miracles? They are babied day in and day out by God, and they have refused to acknowledge him. It's so pathetic. And yet we are no different than them. And I have to keep reminding us of this because it's so easy to point fingers at the Israelites and say, you guys are a bunch of morons. You know, as a believer, I see plenty of miracles in my day. I've experienced things that your average human does not because God has worked wonders in my life. I have experienced things that people don't believe me when I explain them. And yet I know that God was the one who did it. And even then, even with knowing all the wondrous things I've seen God do, sometimes I still doubt his work. Or sometimes I forget the goodness that he has shown me in the past. We're such forgetful, stubborn people. May we be faithful like Moses and like Caleb and Joshua and not like these Israelites. But that's where we end up being most of the time. We end up being an Israelite because we complain. Even though we are heaped with blessings upon blessings, we still complain. We still are dissatisfied. And it's so terrible to come to the realization that we do that to God. He is so patient with us. But when he's establishing this people here, he is not going to tolerate this with them. He had the same disposition that he had on the mountaintop. He told Moses that he was going to utterly wipe the people out. And he was going to establish a new nation through Moses. But here we see Moses, although he is frustrated, still step up to the plate and defend the Israelites. He still is defending God's honor in the process. Did you see that? 
he's not only defending the Israelites, but he's more focused on the integrity of God and his reputation. He wants to see God glorified. And he says, Lord, if you wipe out these people, then all of these nations, especially the Egyptians, are going to think you failed because you are not able to take them to the promised land. You're going to look like a failure, Lord. You are going to be mocked. You're going to be laughed at as if you're too weak to handle this. You don't want to do that, Lord. Spare these people. You are able to do great things. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty. And he will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Pardon them, not because of who they are, right? He says, pardon them according to your loving kindness, to your greatness. You've been faithful and long-suffering with them up until now. Keep doing it, Lord. You brought out this people for your namesake. Keep your name perfect. Keep your name glorified. And spare these people because of your name. And the Lord was pleased with Moses. It was another test, and he passed the test. He did forgive the people for their transgression. I have pardoned them, but I'm not going to let it go. These people have seen all of my glory. They have seen all of these signs. They have seen me do all these wondrous things for them, and yet they continue to try my patience, and they defy me over and over and over again. And you know what I've decided? Except for Caleb and Joshua, these people don't deserve the land I gave them. So you know what? If there's anyone here right now that is 20 years old and up, they are going to die in the wilderness before I let them go to the promised land. Their children are going to be the ones who enter the land, not them. They have made up their mind that they are not going to follow me. They are not going to obey me, so they don't deserve this land. I'm going to give it to their kids. So for every day that these spies were in the land, they were in the land for 40 days, I'm going to translate that into years. They are going to be wandering this wilderness for 40 years. And along the way, all of these people who defied me are going to fall in the wilderness. They are going to die. And once they all have died out, then we will go to the promised land. But it's going to take 40 years of wandering. The people heard this, and they mourned greatly. Some of them were sincerely sorry. But there were still a stubborn group of people who said, you know what, we're going to go to the promised land anyway. It's right there, guys. Let's just go in there and let's go to the land. To heck with what Moses says. And Moses said, all right, go ahead. I'm not going with you. I can't protect you. God's not going to go with you. You're on your own. You're not going to succeed. And they're like, you know what? Who cares? We're going to go anyway. So they went, and wouldn't you know it, they all got wiped out pretty quickly. And so then the journey begins. And during the process, God is going to institute more laws as well as remind them of the laws he's already established. So pretty much all of chapter 15 is referring to 
the discipline of the Lord through different practices. He reminds them of what the sacrifice requires. He talks about what happens if someone unintentionally sins, a sin of ignorance. And then he talks about if someone openly defies God and what happens to that person. And then at the end, he mentions that everyone should have robes with tassels on them. He says that the tassels are supposed to be attached to the garments, and they're supposed to be blue, and they're supposed to remind Israel to obey God's commands. I honestly don't really know how the tassels tie into that. Maybe there's some symbolism or cultural reference that I don't recognize there, but that's what God commanded them to do. Now, while today we don't wear tassels like this to remind ourselves of the commandments of God, what he says is vitally important to us as well. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, so as to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you played the harlot. In other words, he doesn't want us to give in to temptation. He doesn't want us to pursue our lusts. Why? So that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. That's still the command. He still wants us to obey his commandments and be holy. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. I own you. You work for me. You must obey me. I am your master. And those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God, we are indeed purchased by God. We are owned by him. We are his chosen people today. And we need to obey our Father in all things. Do not be like the Israelites who openly rebel against God or forget quickly how all the goodness he's given you in your life has brought you to this point. God piles blessing upon blessing upon us, even today. Do not disrespect God, and especially do not be ungrateful for all the good things he's done for you. Moving on to Psalm 33, we don't have a psalmist listed here. It looks like David might have written it, but it doesn't say who actually wrote it. But it mentions here how he is calling upon the righteous to praise the Lord. And that's excellent. We need to be praising the Lord often. Why? Because it says throughout verses 4 through 12 here that he is worthy of being praised. He is dependable. He is faithful. He is powerful. And he is king over all. That is why we should praise him, because he has created all things. His sovereignty rules over all. He is good to his people, and he destroys the wicked. This is a good God, and this is a good king. Why wouldn't we want to worship him? Then look here at verse 13. I thought this was interesting. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he who understands all their works. God is always watching. He's always looking for people who are going to obey him. 
he is going to reward those who are obedient to him. The final verses of this psalm show us that we can depend on things in this world to protect us or to give us prosperity, but they won't. There is only one who is able to give us what we need, and that's God. Our hope should be in him, because not only is he our hope in this life, but he preserves our soul for the next life. He has promised us eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He is worthy of our praise and our honor and our dedication. So why wouldn't we want to fear him? It says here in verse 18 that the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and those who hope for his loving kindness. He pays attention when those people fear him. His focus and his gaze is on you when you obey him. That is special, but it also means that his blessings will be upon you too. He openly rewards those who are obedient to him. So that's something to consider today. But what I want to have today as our scripture to memorize is something that is a little bit larger than us. I want us to memorize verse 12 of chapter 33. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. We, as Christians, have been chosen by God as his inheritance. But more importantly, especially in America today, this nation could be blessed if they put God first. The godless agenda is growing day by day. The darkness is creeping in slowly but surely. And more and more people by the droves are abandoning God. There is no understanding of who God is, and quite frankly, there's not enough voices from Christians speaking against this evil. There's not enough people witnessing to these lost souls. We need to be those people. And imagine if we went back to the way it was when we founded this country. This nation was under God. It's in the Declaration of Independence that we are a nation under God. When we pledge allegiance to the flag, it is a nation under God. They're trying to take God out of everything, but we were founded by Christian principles. And we have prospered because of that. But if we are abandoning it, then no wonder this nation is so cursed at times. America is not invincible, nor is it beyond the ability to collapse on itself. If you look in the book of Revelation, there's no mention of America in there. So maybe it doesn't exist in the end. I don't know. But regardless, God deserves to be worshipped. He deserves to be praised. And those that are his followers and his believers in this nation need to do it. We cannot be sitting idly on the sidelines. We must take action, brothers and sisters. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Because right now, God is not the Lord of this nation. The people themselves are the lords of their own nation. And that is simply not acceptable as a Christian. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.